0: The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org.
1: Well, welcome to ACC Twenty Twenty One coming to you virtually this year, and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Nissen. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be with you again. Uh, A virtual meeting this year, Steve. What are your thoughts about virtual meetings versus face to face? They just aren't the same, you know.
0: I think you know one of the reasons why we go to these meetings is not just to hear the scientific presentations, but to talk to colleagues and to you know, think about planning of studies and have executive committee meetings and all of those things. And it's never quite as good uh, when it's virtual.
1: It never really is. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be back together soon, uh, hopefully sometime in the fall. But Steve, let's talk a little bit about omega-3 fatty acid levels in the bloodstream and major adverse events. Uh, What did you find in the strength study?
0: Well, first of all, let me give you the background here. And, you know, there have been a number of very large studies uh, of omega-3 fatty acids that were neutral, and then along came the REDUCE it study with a rather uh, uh, enormous, you know, uh, benefit—a uh, you know, a twenty-five percent relative risk reduction. In, in parallel, we rank, ran the strength study, which also was high doses of. Omega 3 fatty acids. In our case, we used a carboxylic acid derivative, which is a little better absorbed, so it gets pretty high blood levels, but it contains both EPA and DHA. And strength, uh, published in JAMA, was neutral. So the question is how do we explain these two different, very divergent, uh, disparate results from two very large trials? So we we recognize that giving purified EPA, icosopent ethyl, which was done in the reduce trial, could get higher blood levels, potentially, and they got, you know, modestly higher blood levels of EPA in their study compared with strength. So we said, well, what about the people that got really high levels of EPA in strength? What would happen to them? And so we took the study, which was large, 13,000 patients, and we looked at tertiles of achieved EPA levels. And the second question that we addressed was, you know, could the DHA component somehow or other have been producing harm? Now, it would have had to be precisely as much harmful as EPA was beneficial to get a neutral result. They had to perfectly counterbalance,
1: uh, or you just today. have to lower the curve, or you know it shouldn't affect the relationship between level and outcomes. It may yeah. attenuate it, but yeah. not the relationship. Yeah. So
0: here's what we did: we looked at tertiles of EPA, we looked at tertiles of DHA, and in the top tertile for EPA, the result was completely neutral. There was no benefit. Uh, and so the secondary question was: Well, would the top tertile of DHA been associated with harm? Did the hazard ratio rise above one? And it was also completely neutral. The confidence intervals were reasonably narrow, uh, suggesting that it was a you know uh, adequate sample size to answer the question. So we are left with a dilemma. There was a there were three potential explanations for the differences between strength and reduce it. One was that we didn't get enough EPA and strength, and I think we answered that question by looking at the top tertile. Or that DHA was harmful. We didn't see that. The third possibility relates to the comparator. Uh, we used corn oil, which we deliberately selected because we knew it was neutral, and it turned out to be neutral. There was no effect. There was no effect on biomarkers. There was no effect on outcome. You know, corn oil was in fact a very neutral comparator. However, in reduce it, they used mineral oil. And they saw a substantial increase in LDL and in APOB, and a whopping 32% increase in HSCRP. And so we think this secondary analysis of strength by removing the likelihood that somehow we weren't getting enough EPA into these patients or the DHA was harmful, we are left with the hypothesis that the uh, benefits in reduce it were really due to the toxicity of the placebo, mineral oil, and not due to the benefits of giving uh, omega-3 fatty acids. Now, there's one more point that we make in this in this manuscript and in the slides. In both trials, there was a very substantial increase in atrial fibrillation. There were real harms associated with omega-3 fatty acids. In our study, a, a hazard ratio of 1.69, a 69% increase risk of atrial fibrillation occurred in 2.2% of the patients. So, If there's really not a benefit, then we're left with the concern about whether any of these preparations produce more benefit than harm. Now, we recognize this is a controversial area, but replication, as you know, as a very experienced clinical trialist, is essential in trials. And another essential point here is you've got to use a neutral comparator. If you use a comparator that itself has biological activities, you don't know whether the differences you're seeing are due to the benefits of the drug or potential harms from the comparator. It is my view that REDUCE-IT is likely a false positive trial, that the effect was driven largely by the toxicity of mineral oil as evidenced by the increases in lipid markers and the very pro-inflammatory effect as seen with a, great, with a very large increase in hsCRP.
1: So Steve, those are good points. Let me pressure test them a little bit. Let's have a little fun here. So, sure. so Steve, you say DHA is harmful. Maybe DHA is not harmful. Maybe it's just neutralizing. So it may not cause harm. So you might not expect to see a dose response curve of harm. And maybe it's equally neutralizing across all doses of EPA or all levels of EPA. So that no matter what your EPA level was, this neutralized the benefit. Is that a valid hypothesis? It's
0: it's it's biologically plausible but very unlikely i mean you know usually with pharmacological agents there's a dose response curve you know if you don't if you don't get much of a drug into, into patients it's pretty hard to see benefit or harm and keep in mind that if you look at the tertiles where there is basically neither benefit nor harm for any of the tertiles there would have to be a very precisely neutralizing effect. I mean, it would be, have to be perfectly balanced to get to a hazard ratio of very close to 1.0. And again, that seems unlikely. You know, you might see attenuation of benefit. You might see a delay in benefit. There are lots of things you might see. But if you look at the kaplan meyer curves in the manuscript and in the supplement, where we also do sensitivity analyses. Everything is just completely neutral. We looked at absolute EPA and DHA levels. We looked at change in EPA and DHA levels. Since we wanted to know about tissue levels, we looked at red blood cell EPA and DHA, and we looked at change in red blood cell EPA and DHA. We have four Four sensitivity analyses, and they also show the same thing. They all show a completely neutral result. We also have these other trials that were published within the last couple of years, where you know some of them are as large as twenty-five thousand patients, where there just wasn't any effect. Now, while they, while they used lower doses of omega three, doses of omega three, if in fact uh, these fatty acids are beneficial. Let me give you one more point. In both reducing and strength, we saw exactly the same nineteen percent reduction in triglycerides. So they both were biologically active in a similar fashion in the active treatment arm. So, from my perspective, it's pretty hard to see how there would there should be a benefit here from purified EPA.
1: So, Steve, let me pressure test you on the harm side of things. So you say there should be a dose-response curve for harm. Is there a dose-response curve for EPA levels and risk of AFib? Yeah, that's a great question.
0: (laughs) And we haven't looked at it. Um, I think uh, we're going to take a look at that. And I think that's a really, really interesting idea. We'll Well, look at it for both EPA and DHA, you know. Uh, Again, our our goal here was to was not obviously to look at the at the atrial fib issue, but we will we will in fact absolutely study that. It's a great idea.
1: All right. Well, I'm just my job is just keep everybody on, everybody exactly. On well, Steve, thanks for your thoughts. It's a fascinating area. You know, when you have two large trials, that come to different conclusions. We all scratch our heads. But, yep. uh, you know, thanks for an open mind, and thanks for exploring. And we have a lot of work to do to to reconcile all this. Thanks Well, there
0: is, a, there is an answer, uh, you know, that we can get. Um, I'd like to see EPA studied, you know, purified EPA against a corn oil comparator. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see a smaller biomarker study of mineral oil versus corn oil
1: yeah that would
0: help answer the questions mm -hmm. now whether it gets done or not remains to be seen because as you know the patent on the purified epa product has been invalidated and so there's no longer as much incentive to do these kinds of trials
1: yeah, well, could be a good NIH study, or uh, particularly the mineral oil, coin oil thing could be a great NIH study, modest size study, looking at uh, biomarkers. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Steve, uh, wish we were there in person. Always great to see you. You too. Uh, I look forward to getting back together with you face to face. You have such a beautiful face, Steve, so I just-
0: <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't have nice, as nice a background as you do, Mike, but uh, good to see you.
1: Well, good seeing you, Steve, and thanks to all of you for joining us here live from ECC 2021.